Hey, good morning to each one. And a welcome to our visitors, each one that is here. It's good to have you with us. It is good to be back worshiping with you this Sunday morning. The last two Sundays being gone. And uh, it's just nothing like coming back home and going to, to church with the church family. It's good to be here. I didn't think it was that long that we were gone, but I got a text this morning from a brother wondering if we're still around and if we're still living around here and where we're going to be going to church. And uh, he had an inkling that I was preaching, so he prayed as well. So uh, I don't think it was that long, and uh, I won't mention who it was for sake of confidentiality. Um, so this morning, Dathan read the, the passage there on the prodigal son, and we'll make a couple comments on that a little later. But as I, as I looked into God's Word and as I was studying and reading for the last couple of days on, on what God would have me to preach upon, and there was two main subjects in my mind. And as I sat wrestling with it yesterday morning, the uh, Calvin messenger was sitting there on the, on the bar, the last article. And I said, you know what, I just need a break from these subjects. I'm just going to read the Calvin Messenger. So I picked it up, and there was, a, there was an article in the Calvin Messenger. It was part two. So if you, if you don't read the Calvin Messenger, you're missing out a lot because there's some very valuable reading in, that, in, that, in, that art, in those articles. I would strongly advise you to go back home with some homework and dig out the month of... Um, I have it here somewhere. I can lay my eyes on it. April and May. So dig out article, the article that, that you got in April and also in May. And part one is in April and part two of the story is in, in, um, in May. And the title of the, of the, of the, of the article or the, the, the story was The Freedom of Forgiveness Received. How many read that article? It's good to, to see a couple hands. That is a fascinating article. Go home and dig those two articles out. And as I read that, uh, that story, it struck me like never before on how freeing forgiveness is. The title of my message this morning is the freedom in forgiveness. Forgiveness is a commandment to us of God's people. We are commanded to forgive. If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Think with me a little. Those are some serious, serious words. Definition of forgiveness. 
It's an, essentially an act of pardoning an offender. In the Bible, the Greek word translated forgiveness literally means to let go. To let go. As when a person does, not in demanding payment or debt, graciously, willingly, pardoning, letting go, canceling the debt, remit and take it away. Let it go. That's forgiveness. It's a conscience, deliberate decision to release the feelings of resentment, vengeance toward a person or a group who has harmed you or hurt you, regardless, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness or not. That's forgiveness. This morning, I want you to realize those that have accepted Jesus Christ into your life and have covered yourself in the blood. I want you just to immerse yourself in a moment in the power of forgiveness. Stop and just realize with me where you were doomed and where you were going to go without Christ's forgiveness in your life. You had a one-way ticket to hell, and there was no way getting out of it but for Christ going to the cross, dying and shedding his blood, and forgiving you of your debts. But that forgiveness is only hinged on your willingness to reach out and accept that free gift of salvation and applying the blood on your lives. Otherwise, the forgiveness of Jesus, the forgiveness, the work of forgiveness that Jesus did and dying on the cross and making it possible to live this life redeemed and forgiven means nothing to you. means nothing to you. And it won't save you from hell unless it means something to you. Unless you grab hold of the gift of the salvation that God has clearly laid out. A free gift. And applying the blood, allowing Jesus to work in and out of your life. It's the only way that the work that Jesus did in forgiving you, already he has forgiven you, but you're not forgiven until accepted, until you willingly accept that free gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. God can do that. He can remember our sins no more, and I honestly believe he can do that. But we in our human minds, sometimes we have a hard time forgetting Rather, forgiveness means letting go of the pain, the incident, or something that caused us pain. Letting go of the pain. We forgive to give ourselves peace of mind in the hopes that someday someone will return the favor if we offend them. You know, sometimes, you know, it's not easy to forget. But I'm, I'm here this morning, a recipient of God's grace and his forgiveness in my life. And yes, there's people that have hurt and have 
caused wrong in my life. But in this morning, if I hold those hurts, and I hold those hurts dear to my life, to my heart, and not let them go with a forgiving attitude, neither will my Father in heaven be able to forgive me. Yes, forgive, forgiveness isn't necessarily forgetting. And I think with time, yes, those hurts. And forgiving is a literal choice. It's a liberal, it's a literal choice, liberally choosing to forgive and to let go. That's forgiveness. Even though it doesn't feel good, but you choose to forgive. And with time, God has a way of erasing the details of the hurt. And all you remember is how God redeemed it and reconciled it and made it better through the hurt. Forgiveness, God's forgiveness is conditional. It's on our repentance and our accept of his gift of salvation. Without Christ's forgiveness toward us, we could not forgive others. Forgiveness empowers us to forgive. Those that of us that are forgiven have the power within us through Christ Jesus to forgive even when it's hard. It's only through him. Forgiveness always sets us free. And also sets the forgiver free. That article in the Calvin Messenger was a man. I'll give you enough of details just to make you hungry. That through his careless driving hit a buggy and killed a woman. Five days after they were married... They were on their honeymoon. And he took the life of this man's wife. Because of his careless driving. High speed driving. Read that article. Of how that family was able to pour their forgiveness on that 17 year old boy. And accepting the fact that it was her time to go. How they embraced that boy at the funeral, the viewing. <clears throat> and how after the funeral was over, they got to know him and his family very well. You see, forgiveness set the one that did wrong, free. But it was up to him to reach out and to actually accept that forgiveness in order for him to be able to forgive himself. And today, if I understand it right, he's a pastor in one of the churches in Lancaster. And that story has impacted his life. He says... Today, he doesn't even think twice when he's hurt. The first response comes to him is he needs to forgive and let it go. Because he's been forgiven so much. 
You see, forgiveness is enable. That kind of forgiveness, the depth of forgiveness, the depth of forgiveness that Jesus did on the cross is not able to happen outside of Jesus Christ's power of forgiveness. Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. He had compassion on us. And in that love is the ingredient that stirs up the compassion to be able to forgive, even when others don't deserve forgiving. Charity, love, in 1 Corinthians 13. It seeketh not her own. You see, when we forgive, we are looking at the benefit, not of our own, but we love the person so much that we're willing to extend forgiveness to that offender that doesn't deserve it. But yet we love him so much because of what Christ loved us while we were in the state of hurting him. So love is the ingredients to stir up the passion to be able to forgive like Christ forgave, like Christ forgives us. Without love, it's impossible to forgive. You know that Amish family that lost a daughter, that young man that lost his wife, was able to forgive on the basis of how much they were forgiven. And they saw this young man, a 17-year-old man, wondering if he's going to be able to make it through life with this weight of killing somebody because of his reckless driving. And it stirred within them a love and a compassion for that young man. And it moved them into action and drove them to forgive. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. It doesn't say to be tender-hearted for... And, and be kind one to another for those of us that treat each other well. No, it says forgiving one another in the same, same verse in Ephesians 4, 32. So that being kind and tenderhearted means to those that need constant forgiveness. Even as Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 3, 13. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. Even if any man have acquired against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It's a commandment. Forgiveness is used only when there's hurt, disappointment, or offended. When we're commanded to forgive. The prodigal son... This, this, this passage, my mind, when I read that story, my mind went to the prodigal son. I don't know why it did, but it connected the prodigal son with the story that in the Calvin Messenger. You see, here was a 17-year-old boy that was living life kind of recklessly, loosely. And in our society today, they would say that boy should have deserved to go to jail for his punishment, even him being a juvenile. But the families of the loved ones of the girls wrote letters upon letters to the judge pleading 
for his calls to be pardoned. And I see the story in the prodigal son here as, as the father, when his son left home, he still had the same love for that son, whether he was at home or whether he was abroad. But his compassion within him, because of his love for his son, I think he daily went out and viewed the way that his son went. And waiting for his coming home. Because when it saw him a great way off, he had compassion on him. Don't you think that that son caused his father a lot of hurt? Tremendous amount of hurt. Tremendous amount of reputation of, of well, you should have trained your son better. Or you, and then let's get going, you fill in the blanks. And this young man, today a minister in one of the churches in Lancaster, says he looks back at the way his daddy and his mama related to helping him through forgiving himself. You see the father here of this son, the prodigal son, he saw him a great way off. He already forgave him in his mind. In his mind, the father had already forgiven his son because he was ready to see him come home. Because the decision was already made that no, if my son comes home, how am I going to treat him? Or how, how, if, if, if I see my son come home this afternoon, how, how am I going to respond? He didn't have any of that. I see no hesitation in the father. Action when he saw his son come home. Because he deliberately chose to forgive long before his son actually came home. He chose to forgive, and out of that forgiveness, his response was compassion, compassion that was fueled by his love, the same love that Christ had for us when we deserved to go to hell. You see, Jesus deliberately chose to forgive when he was on the cross, dying when they were pounding those nails in his hands. He cried out, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He chose deliberately to forgive. Because he knew that someday there's somebody, someone's going to come along. And gonna, even though they don't deserve to be forgiven. He knew they're going to come along and they're going to need compassion in their fallen state. And he was enabling. He was enabling. The work of God enabled he had deliberately chose to forgive because when we go to Jesus Christ, our Savior, now, we can count on his response because of forgiveness. Not like the older son, the elder son where, you know, he, the elder son had the heart of unforgiveness he had a lack of love for his younger brother and hence wasn't able to forgive and to let go when he should have been rejoicing with his brother coming home he was actually staying outside pouting because of all the glamour and the, the glorious time 
a rejoicing over his son that had come home, his brother that had come home. You think the older son had friends that he thought he had to keep his reputation up with. And he kept his walls and his guards up because of forgiving someone that lives so life so poorly was just below his dignity. God forbid. You know, it ends the chapter here not knowing what the older son did. I hope and pray that he embraced forgiveness, replaced the forgiveness, replaced his bitterness with forgiveness. But first of all, he needed to see his need of forgiveness in his life before he could forgive his brother. Jacob and Esau was another one that came to my mind. You know, I, I, I love that picture where Jacob, he wrestled. He wrestled and he, he stressed out over not knowing how Esau was going to relate to him when he comes in to meet him. But I like to think that Esau already had forgiven Jacob before he went to meet him. You see, there was this big cloud hanging over Jacob's, you know, Jacob, even though he was living a, his, his God, you know, his God-given role, his being the will of God. And I believe Jacob had asked God for forgiveness and he was forgiven by God. But yet there was a cloud over Jacob's mind and over his, his, his in well-being, over his multitude that he was with him. There was a cloud that was hanging over him, not knowing if his brother Ashley forgave him or not. You see, forgiveness relieves and clears up those clouds of wondering, of fear, restores relationships, redeems and restores and restitutes people that do wrong to us. And I like to think that Esau already had forgiven Jacob before he came in to see Jacob. And as Jacob went through with meeting his brother, in so much, he had fear. Oh, he feared. He made steps, precaution steps, in case Esau didn't forgive him. Can you just imagine with me the moment when Jacob realized that his brother actually forgave him for what he did? Can you, can't you just feel the, the freedom that swelled up within Jacob? The relief, the pressure was gone. The freedom flowed in. The freedom of forgiveness. Restoration was possible at that point. Repentance always brings forgiveness. Forgiveness always brings freedom. And freedom always brings peace, peace with Christ and with each other. Now to think of David, that awful sin that he committed, that all with with Bathsheba, and and, and also setting up and and colluding with his army to kill Bathsheba's husband, to make it look to cover up his sin. David, a man after God's own heart, failed miserably. 
Yes, there was consequences. Yes, there was things that David had to be willing to walk through. But David could do it a free man, forgiven by God, because he saw his need when Nathan the prophet, Nathan the prophet met him. And David repented. And he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I do not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to you, Lord. And you, forgive the, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, David knew what it was to be forgiven. David. As far, he says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is thy love. See, David's love was actually, Christ's love was to David revealed much greater than it had been before because of this experience that David went through and experiencing Jesus Christ's love in, in his life more fully. So great is his love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from him, from us. Psalms 103, 11, 12. If you, Lord, he says in Psalms 130, 3 and 4, if you, Lord, kept a record of sin, this is ESV, Lord, who would stand? But if you were, but with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. David's words in Psalms, Psalms 130. God isn't keeping a book, a big book of all your screw-ups this morning. Thank God he's not. He forgives, he frees us to serve him and reverence him. But it takes faith and us willing to reach out and accept the gift of forgiveness through repentance. Another one I thought of that, I, that just struck me, this was within the church, Philemon. Who was his slave? Onesimus. Philemon and Onesimus, if I can say that right. You know, Onesimus fled his, run away from his master. He ran away. He didn't want to be his slave, Philemon's slave anymore. And he met up with Paul, and Paul showed him the way. And he accepted Christ and was forgiven. And I love the picture how Paul told him to go back to Philemon and ask for his forgiveness. But he also entreats Philemon to entreat him as a brother, not as a slave. The two were for, the two found forgiveness. Two were given forgiveness through Jesus Christ, were extended forgiveness, and were forgiving brothers working side by side for Christ. It doesn't say much in Philemon, does it? It's a short book. But I think those two work together closely than they ever have before in the work of Christ. Because they knew what it was to be forgiven, and they knew what it felt like to be forgiven. Turn with me to Matthew 18. I see that I have way too much here. And I wanted to draw lessons from Matthew 18. But I might have to, instead of reading this, just skimp across it. For the sake of time. 
Matthew 18. It talks about Etruska in 15 there. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, and he shall hear thee, and thou hast gained thy brother. And if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or one or two more, and in the mouth of two to three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind in earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that, shall, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. And my Father which is in heaven, by my done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For when two or three are gathered together, there in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Verse 21. And came Je then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Seven times, that's, that's a lot. Peter, I think Peter was being really gracious, I mean, liberal here. I think he was literally being liberal. He was, he thought it was a lot. Seven was kind of a lot, but I, he put it out there in good faith. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. 490 times. Now, if you're counting your brother's trespasses until you reach 490, you miss the whole point of forgiveness. And as the verse goes on, he goes, the unforgiving servant. This servant was forgiven so much by his master. His master required him to pay his debt. His master forgave him his debt. Raced it clean. Because I think that master knew what it was to be forgiven. But somehow this servant missed the point. And he went out to a fellow servant of him. And it says he grabbed him by the neck and said, Pay me what thou owest. A little bit harder than what his master told him. I don't see that hard of a, of a master. The master told this servant to, to pay him, and he fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. And then he went out and grabbed a fellow servant by the neck and said, Pay me what thou owest. And his fellow, saw, fellow servant, 29, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. How comes that he didn't realize it was just, I don't think it was long. I think it was the same day. Maybe it was the second, next day that his servant went out, his fellow servant, and treated him that way. But he would not. Had him cast in the prison till he should pay him all. Somehow this person, this servant, did not grasp the meaning of what forgiveness actually meant. 
because he went out and couldn't forgive his servant. And we know what happened. The Lord, in verse 32, after he had heard, heard of all this, called him in and said, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt. Just like us, Jesus Christ forgave us all our debt. If we're living under the blood of Jesus Christ, repentance before him. Because thou desirest me, shouldest thou not, thou, should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servants? Even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth, and delivered him unto the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. I find it fascinating, he says, if ye not willing, if ye from your hearts forgive not. You see, it's, a, it's an inner experience of letting it go. If it doesn't happen within your heart, you can maybe go through the signs, and the other one might wonder if he forgave you, and he might wonder, signs and wonders might prevail, They'll never have the feeling that you love them and you're going to have compassion on them because it didn't come from your heart. Jesus gave forgiveness, made forgiveness possible on the cross. You see, it freed Jesus by forgiving them that hurt him. And when we stop and we truly realize how much Christ has forgiven us, there should be an overwhelming feeling of gratitude and, 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 and in that should enable us to forgive. Stephen cried out when they was being stoned, Lord, lay not their sin to their charge. It come from his heart. He loved the persons that were throwing those stones because he was worried about that person's soul and the sin they were committing. And he pled with God to forgive them, not to lay the sin to their charge. How could Joseph go to Egypt and be used of God so mightily with all the hurts, with all the things that his brothers did to him? How? I think if there was a victim card to be played, Joseph would have had the, many, the most victim cards to pull of anybody that I know. <clears throat> Joseph would have never been effective in Egypt and would have never been able to connect with his brothers like he did if he wouldn't have already forgave them long before they came to Egypt. You see, Joseph forgiving his brothers, regardless of them asking for forgiveness, enabled him to be effective where God called him. Because it wasn't that cloud hanging over him and controlling his every being and thoughts of his life. Forgiveness is a command. Whether you feel like it or not, we're called to forgive. Whether the one that has wronged you asks for forgiveness or not, we're called to forgive. We will not experience the freedom. And we will not be able to live a victorious life 
this morning, brothers and sisters, without forgiveness. Without letting go of those hurts, those wrong things that were put our way. Forgiving. And the one that wronged us, the one that did us wrong will not be able to live a victorious life without repentance. You see, it's two-sided. We can go on living our life forgiving the one that has hurt us and be free from that hurt. But the one that has hurt us and knows it will not be able to live a, a victorious life without going back and asking repentance, forgiveness, and accepting God's forgiveness in his life first. And as the two, you know, I don't know if I should share this. Oh, I guess I won't. But as we, as we, look, at, as we look at reconciliation, it's so powerful when, when, let's say, a number of years from now, you might have someone come knocking on your door and saying that, you, that they're coming to confess so-and-so. I had this happen to me, and I was blank. I didn't know nothing about it. And as they told me the incident, oh, I remembered faintly there was something there. To them, they never had freedom because they never came and asked for repentance or forgiveness but for me, I had released it and forgave them, and it wasn't there no more. I had let it go. I didn't even remember it. I think it's so powerful. That person could not understand how, how I could have forgot it. And I shared with them how Jesus Christ enables us to forgive and let go and not be controlled by our hurts. Are you living this morning in the freedom of forgiveness? Are you forgiven? Are you honor the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you washed yourself? Do you wash yourself daily? Don't lose your freedom this morning of forgiveness by not forgiving those that hurt you or did you wrong. You will lose your freedom. Because when you can't forgive, Christ can't forgive you. Let's remember this morning, we can't do it of ourselves, but it's Christ within us that enables us to forgive, even when it's hard. Let's kneel for prayer. Our kind, righteous, eternal, heavenly Father, we come to you this Nunzar, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you that you went to the cross forgiving, for carrying all the sins and all the guilt and all the condemnation of the whole world on your shoulders. And as you cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Those words are for me, for us, Father, when we wrong you. We're already forgiven. Lord, help us to have a desire to continue to ask you forgiveness and in repentance and in humility, letting you use us for your vessel. Oh God, help us to destroy the works of darkness around us, to destroy the enemy that wants to bombard us with, with, with the hurts and the baggage of our, of our world. Help us to forgive, to let go, and let our light shine for you. Because we have a joy that they cannot touch. Because of, you, of your forgiveness. 
and that empowers us to forgive. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.